0: Below all the names is the cause of death. And uh, the gravediggers tell us that CD are the other graves was corona.
1: Well, the worst case fear is that South Africans don't wake up to the reality that we've got a disaster on our hands. That's the worst case scenario, which basically means that people just continue pretending as if they're not affected.
2: Today, Saturday the 4th of July, marks South Africa's 100th day in lockdown. The country has progressed from a very daunting and scary lockdown level five to what people are now calling lockdown level three light. And something strange has happened. South Africans seem to have lost their fear of COVID-19. Outside of stores and policed areas, people don't seem to be wearing their masks. And if they are, they aren't wearing them correctly. Precautions taken to keep people safe in public establishments aren't really being followed in private dwellings, and South Africans in general seem to be thumbing their noses at safety protocol. This is very strange, because COVID-19 has really bared its teeth in our communities recently. There has been a spike in both infections and in COVID-19 related deaths. South Africa has to date recorded 168,061 infections and 2,844 deaths. In today's episode, we re-examine what exactly is at stake during this global pandemic. This short podcast series follows Sunday Times reporter Alex Patrick and senior reporter Graham Hoskin as they track, record and reflect on the real events and people that make up SA's biggest COVID news stories. For boots on the ground, behind SA's national lockdown, I am Paige Muller and this is episode 11, Complacency Kills. This week, Alex spent time with the grave diggers of West Park Cemetery, the men responsible for putting those who die of COVID-19 to rest.
0: I'm just going to do a walk around. There's about two rows of graves that have just got a wooden plank with the names on them, uh, and, and those will be replaced with a tombstone. I'm told in about a month or two, depending on the family. Below all the names is the cause of death. And uh, the grave diggers tell us that CD, are the other graves with corona. So just from the top row, I've got CD, got another CD. Next to him is a natural death. CD, CD, CD. Next to that one is CD, another CD.
2: While another surveying CD. the extent of COVID 19 related CD. deaths, Alex noticed
0: a pattern. There's a natural death next to that, then a CD, then a normal death. Now the CD next to that. And then there's no CDs. So now as I walk along, it looks like uh, a whole bunch of different causes of death. None of them, none of these are Corona. Let's see. The next one is on the third. I'm walking backwards through town. So this one's on the third. There's a CD here. So what I'm seeing from the pattern just from walking here is that the COVID deaths are kind of uh every other death is a is a COVID death as you walk along the, the line. Up until about sure a week ago. And then it's just it's it, there's like six in a row. It's quite quite amazing to see. Quite scary to see actually.
2: What Alex has noticed is the spike in COVID-19 cases that accompanied the president's June 17th level three restriction easing announcement.
1: Over the last few weeks, the number of infections have been rising rapidly. Nearly a third of all confirmed cases have been recorded in the last week alone. And more than half of all confirmed cases have been recorded over the last two weeks. For many of us, what was once a distant disease is now coming much closer. More and more of us now know someone who is infected. During this
2: announcement, the president had warned the country to anticipate a spike in cases. So none of us can really claim to be surprised. But as Alex walks among those who are not lucky enough to be counted with the recovered, it begins to hit home that a spike in cases must directly translate to an increased loss of life. And that loss of life will leave a mark on those left behind. Just watching a family lay some flowers down at a grave site.
0: The grave is is of somebody who's died of COVID. We returned to the graves after one of the diggers said that they've just been informed that there's going to be three more burials today, and all three have died of the coronavirus.
2: Alex watches the new burial process intently as the dead are brought to sites in steel caskets and handled by people in fully endowed protective gear. is being lowered into the grave.
0: quite macabre to see a funeral where your pallbearers are all in a hazmat suit. Everybody's got their masks on, some have got shields on, everyone has the surgical gloves. The man who's in full PPE is now busy spraying that metal box down with a disinfectant of some kind. It's like a spray gun actually never seen it. He's very meticulous. He's literally going over every single inch of the coffin. Every single... He's now on the the handlebars. He's probably gone over this thing a couple of times and the the coffin's actually shiny and wet with with this disinfectant spray. He's not taking any chances. I don't know if you can hear that sound, that spraying sound, that it sounds like a vacuum cleaner almost. Yeah, yeah. how you,
3: you know, your head, you see things like that, shoes, your hands, you see things like that. You see they put it now. after that, they put more, 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 sun, after that, they corner.
0: The grave diggers saying that once, uh, once the body's put into the grave, the authorities will put a layer of soil on, and then the grave diggers come and cover up the body, and then the grave diggers also get sprayed disinfectant, time. Hey? They spray you with disinfectant?
3: It smells like a spirit or something. yeah. tastes like a spirit.
0: Like the hand sanitizer? Yeah, hand sanitizer. They spray it all over? spray the hand, spray it off all the
3: clothes.
2: It's not exactly the idea of a funeral that most of us are accustomed to. But because so little is known about COVID-19, precautions have to be taken. This doesn't make it easier for loved ones to say goodbye, though.
0: As I'm standing here, the family have completely broken down. It is a grave of a loved one. I'm sure you can't hear, yeah, but it's in the background. There's about
2: six men, there, completely beside themselves. It's a hard farewell to watch, to live, and even really to wrap your head around but still even as our loved ones die south africans seem to be in denial about the severity of this pandemic
4: so the man who died um had never left his house he's 80 years old. he never left his house he was living with his daughter who is now fighting for her life in hospital oh my god she went out twice to do shopping and and i mean that's how infectious this disease is The family said both of them had been feeling not right for three weeks. Mm. And then suddenly um, the coughing, the sneezing, and then they both had an upset stomach and within days, I mean, they went to hospital maybe four days and then um, he died. I'm not sure what her status is, Um, but certainly on Thursday she was fighting for her life.
5: Sure. We're hearing it from a, a family.
4: Mm. Well, it was, also, it was also interesting because I, I, I spoke to the nephew. He just buried his uncle and he said, yeah. I don't believe in this thing. I don't believe it. I'm following protocols because it's the law, but it's just the flu. And he said he believes when it's your time to go, it's your time to go. And it's it's quite interesting because you've just buried... A it's so ever.
5: fatalistic. Yeah.
4: yeah. <laughs> I
5: mean, it's just...
4: There's so many people who believe that, though, that it's just the flu. I mean, I don't know anybody who's died of flu, but I know mm. two people who've died of this virus. And that's the difference.
5: It's, I mean, if you suddenly look wow. at the COVID death rate, it's really spiking. I mean, for me, I wonder what it's going to do to make people realize. I don't know. This is how serious this this disease is you know it, it's yeah. it's not a, a joke
4: i thought it would be once your family member has it or dies from it but then mm. you know on thursday the the guy's still saying i don't believe this. i don't believe it's that bad
2: we are in lockdown level three now and already south africans are neglecting their personal protective equipment or ppe the only real safeguard that we currently have against contracting this new threat But PPE is something that we all have to undertake or it just won't work. Complacency with your PPE could lead to the death of you or a loved one. The global medical community is aware of the reality of the danger presented by this pandemic and is undertaking a race to find a vaccine. A vaccine would of course offer humanity a line of defense against the virus that surpasses the continual need for PPE. Graham was there as the first human trials for a potential vaccine began in South Africa.
3: So we're currently at a medical facility in Johannesburg um, where there are eight people who are gonna become the first South Africans to go and take part in the international medical trial for a COVID-19 vaccine. Currently the nurses are busy explaining to the eight who've all volunteered um, potential symptoms to look out for how to identify symptoms and the reporting processes there's a mixture of men and women mothers and fathers employed and unemployed people and we are about to witness history in the making South African scientist Professor Shabir Mahdi has just arrived at the facility. He is the leading investigator in the trials in South Africa. He's busy checking in, he's just had his temperature taken and uh, various other checks and he will be briefing us shortly.
5: For
2: Professor Mahdi, South Africans waking up to the severity of the pandemic too late is the biggest threat to the country's fight against COVID-19. In terms
3: of your worst-case fears, what are are your worst-case fears?
1: Well, the worst-case fears is that South Africans don't wake up to the reality that we've got a disaster on our hands. That's the worst-case scenario, which basically means that people just continue pretending as if they're not affected. And that is a challenge that we face. We know that 80 to 90 percent of people that end up in hospital or that die from COVID-19 are individuals over the age of 65 or individuals with chronic problems. Right, so these individuals might be taking the necessary precautions. They might be wearing the non-surgical face mask. They might be practicing the hand hygiene, avoiding overcrowding, etc. They might be doing it. The problem is the other individuals, right, the teenagers and everyone else, who right, don't develop severe disease, they can't comprehend right, why they should bother with these sort of non-pharmaceutical interventions if they're not going to develop severe disease. And that is where the fallacy of the logic exists. Right in that, those are the individuals that are going to get infected. They're not going to develop severe disease, but they can transmit the virus, and they are the ones that are being responsible for transmitting the virus in the households and infecting the other elders in the households, the other adults in the household with discover morbidities. So it's not about these non-pharmaceutical interventions. It's not about your individual protection. It's about protection of other members in society, and especially the protection of those members in society that are at highest risk of developing severe disease. And that message, in terms of the communal responses required to be able to control the rate of transmission of this virus, unfortunately, something which simply hasn't filtered through to the majority of South Africans, and especially if they don't have these underlying medical, medical conditions, and if they're, not under, if they're not over the age of 65.
2: If all goes well with the global vaccine development efforts, the soonest the vaccine will be available will be next year. In the meantime, we will have to keep our medical facilities operational for more critical COVID-19 cases. Just under four months into this pandemic, and according to Professor Mahdi, our facilities are already very strained.
3: And in, and in terms of our hospitals, I mean, this is, this is an arm to try and fight the virus. I mean, our hospitals, are,
1: are hospitals being overrun at the moment? Look, in certain provinces, unfortunately, already so. uh, In Eastern Cape very much so, in the Western Cape very much so, and that's the reason why they're needing to open up field hospitals. In Kauteng, I think we're reaching the threshold where our hospitals are pretty soon going to be overwhelmed in terms of capacity, and they might need to start uh, managing people in field hospitals as well. But that has got its limitations because the equipment in a field hospital is not the same as equipment in a proper facility, and in addition to which we've got huge issues around the number of healthcare workers that exist in the country that are able to staff uh, facilities that are currently operational as well as those field hospitals. Very much of dependent, it depend and is de- depends on the behaviour of citizens of South Africa. If we are able to bring the rate of transmission down by adhering to these non-pharmaceutical interventions, we will be much better off than if we don't. Uh, and it's going to cause fewer people to die, it's going to cause fewer cases, and it buys us time to be able to get to a point where we get a vaccine which will make a complete difference in terms of the trajectory of the particular outbreak. We've seen,
3: you know, in terms of medical interventions and clinical interventions, a lot of high-flow oxygen uh, treatment protocols, I mean, how, how secure are our oxygen supply systems? I mean, we've seen the economy opening up now, you know, industry needs
1: oxygen for, for various manufacturing purposes. Is there competition? Well, I wouldn't know because I'm not involved in procurement of oxygen, but that's the critical issue. Uh, I mean, the thing that really makes a difference to individuals that hospitalised with COVID-19 is oxygen. It's the healthcare workers and oxygen. Those are probably the two most important things that they need. They don't need ventilators that much because you can have ventilators. We know what ventilation between 70 to 90% of people that end up on a ventilator in the United States and the United Kingdom will actually die. Uh, so it's really the basic things that we need to have in place. We need to have healthcare workers available. We need to have oxygen. We need to have facilities that where the patients can be admitted. We can use dexamethasone and there's a few other therapeutics that show some promise. But at the end of the day, again, it all boils down to how we can control the rate of transmission of this virus, which will influence, yes, we have an influence in terms of the total number of people that will eventually die. I mean, we reporting
5: on this on a daily basis yeah and i see neighbors like this afternoon i came came home from the shops and Mm -hmm. see neighbors having parties with friends and i'm like are you guys mad
4: yeah
5: are you not now
4: than it ever was when we were looking after ourselves when we were in lockdown
5: i mean the nicd is saying that cutting's death hole on Monday is going to be 240 people. We're on 149 at the moment. In two weeks, so and, so from Monday, two weeks into July, the death toll would have tripled. Jeez. Every two weeks in Haoteng, it's going to triple minimum. Hectic. So they're estimating it'll be by the end of July, we're possibly going to have two and a half, three thousand people who've died in Haoteng.
4: Jeez.
5: I mean, if, if the infection rate carries on the way yes. it is.
4: And, and uh, I also spoke to Parks and Recreation. They they actually are encouraging families, if you are bearing loved ones um, and not of uh, this disease, to please reuse the grave because we also don't mm. have enough sites. I mean, they say we have enough, but um, 33 of 36 graveyards are full. Is that in Gauteng? Yes, in Joburg. Yay! How hectic is that?
5: That is nuts.
4: Yeah. So there's, uh, I'm sorry, it's not 36, it's 37. There's four graveyards that still have space. And so that's the other throw away is like, we don't have space for everyone who's going to die. So.
2: So the situation is serious. In order to protect our economy and the livelihoods of our people, lockdown had to be eased. But please don't fool yourself into thinking that COVID-19 is just the flu. If you are young and healthy, that's great. But there are so many people in our country who could have an adverse reaction to this virus. So as boots on the ground, on this 100th day of lockdown, we would really just like to say, please don't forget your mask. Wash your hands regularly and take this global pandemic seriously for the sake of your friends and your family, if not for yourself. For Boots on the Ground, Behind South Africa's National Lockdown, a production of Multimedia Live, I am Paige Muller.
3: listening to Boots on the Ground behind Essay's national lockdown. Boots on the Ground is a short podcast series documenting South Africa's national lockdown as a result of the outbreak of COVID-19. Boots on the Ground is a true piece of mobile journalism. All interviews, voices, and sound effects have been gathered using nothing but smartphones. Boots on the Ground is a production of Multimedia Live, a division of Arena Holdings. Narration done by Samad Lutuli. Audio gathered by Graham Hoskin and Alex Patrick. Sound design and editing by... By Paige Muller. Production by multimedia head Scott Petersmith. To catch the next episode of Boots on the Ground for free, please subscribe to the podcast on Iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.